Awesome. Well, like Kate said, we're in week four of Living Beyond. Living Beyond. If you were here last week or if you saw it online last week, um, we are tasting and seeing what Beyond could look like. That's like a taste. That's not like the full meal deal. That's like God going, here's a taste, here's a piece, and uh, let's see where it goes. But last week, Kate was speaking on the ripple effect. And she was basing it out of Acts 3. And, you know, Peter and John, they had gone to the temple. I think Kate was talking about that story this morning. Peter and John, they went to the temple. They were walking by some guy that was laying there crippled, begging for money. And, you know, instead of giving them money, they, they prayed for the guy. and He got healed, right? He stood up. He, he walked into the temple with them. And uh, obviously, when something like that happens, and he's been there for a long, long time, no people take notice. And uh, Peter sees the moment, addresses the crowd, and he focused not just on how sinful they were in need of a savior, but also addressed their mindset when he was addressing them and their ignorance towards who Jesus was. It was actually quite amazing. So I encourage you, go back, read through Acts 3 if you missed it, or hop online, watch uh, the sermon from last week. Actually, watch the whole service from last week because it's worth remembering what God did. And, uh, and then take that and let, for, uh, let it propel us forward into the next things that God has for us. But that healing that happened caused a ripple effect, and the number of believers rose to 5,000 men plus the women and children. That's a lot of people within a very short amount of time making decisions for Jesus. You know, when the ripple effect happens, we can see the Holy Spirit impacting many, many people, right? Holy Spirit does something in one person's life here, and then when it gets proclaimed and shared with other people, it ripples and ripples and ripples and affects a lot of people. But as the ripples keep going and going and going, eventually, or evidently, those ripples will also catch the attention of those that might stand against you. So today's message, I'm titling it, Bear Witnesses, or Bear Witness. As we continue with Peter and John, we're going to be camping out in Acts 4 today, but I'm going to pray as we get into the Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for all that you accomplished and did last week, and Jesus, we continue to look forward with great expectation of what you will be doing, uh, not only in this body of believers here, but all throughout Charlotte County. So Jesus, we come before you. We ask that you would reveal truth of Scripture to us as we get into your word. In your name, amen. Awesome. All right, Acts 4, verses 1 to 3. We're going to be reading from the NLT version today, just so that everyone knows. So if you're using a Bible app and you're confused why some words are different, switch versions. There you go. All right. So while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail till morning. How nice of them. So Peter and John, they had come to the temple in the afternoon to take part in the 3 p.m. prayer service. We saw that back in chapter 3. Being that it was evening shows that it took a while for the officers to get to them or to take notice of what they were doing. Now, I was curious, because sometimes some of these things can pique your interest, like how 
big of an area do the temple grounds actually cover, right? Like we look at like the amount of land that our church is currently sitting on, and we go to the road kind of just past the right-of-way through there to the hill over there and then into the forest here. And we're, we're sitting on about seven acres of land here, okay? That's, that's a pretty good size area. Now, the temple grounds covered an area of 35 acres. That's a lot of space to cover. Now, if you were to compare that to the Great Pyramid of Giza, right? You think about that, that's like a really easy visual of how big of a place that is. That covers 13 acres. So you could fit three temples of Ga like pyramids of Gaza within the temple grounds in Jerusalem. That's wild. That's a lot of space. So I imagine it took quite a bit before the commotion got to the temple leaders, and by the time the temple leaders were able to get over to where Peter John and go, dudes, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on here? Right? Um, but the ripple of what had just happened finally reached the leaders of the temple, and they're going, whoa, 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 what's going on here? You guys, with us, now, right? So now the Sadducees, they were a religious group that held tightly to the Torah, which makes up the first five books of our Bible today. The Sadducees, and I always have this song go through my head because they're so sad, you see, right? But they, they disregarded basically everything but those five books. Their main focus was making sure that the law of Moses was upheld, and that was all that mattered to them. They could care less about the Psalms. They could care less about Proverbs. They wanted to make sure that the law was the law and that that was what was being followed to the T. They were also basically the Jewish aristocrats, which means they held power, prestige, and were incredibly well off. So... When they came on the scene, everyone's going, oh, Sadducees are here. Like, <laughs> these, are, these guys were a big deal. They had a lot of pull with Rome, too. Now, they could have just dismissed Peter and John and sent the crowd packing, but when Peter was addressing the crowds, he was making statements about resurrection that directly challenged the beliefs and teachings of the Sadducees. On top of that, the resurrection also points towards a new kingdom being established. So this wasn't just them speaking things that, like, the Sadducees had a hard time wrapping their head around. Now they're talking things about a resurrection happening where a new kingdom is being established. And when you're on the top of a totem pole, and you're, like, the guys in the city, and all of a sudden someone else is talking, like, uh, hey, guys, new kingdom's being established over here, so you might want to take note and get in line behind all the other people. In fact, maybe get off your totem pole and go to the back of the line because it's forming and it's quite long now, right? The Sadducees did not like that their position of power was being threatened either and that their, every, their whole livelihood was on the line now because of what Peter and John were proclaiming and all of these thousands of people were turning and starting to follow their lifestyle or their, their teachings. So in Acts 4, 5 to 8, it says this, the next day, so they, they spent the whole night in jail. I'm imagining it was not pleasant. They don't give details of what happened in jail, but, I mean, jails are not a nice place to spend the night. But the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Cyphus, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. So basically, they were being brought before the Sanhedrin. And the Sahindran was basically like, if you look at Canada and the Supreme Court of Canada, that's kind of what they were facing 
right then and there was because they healed some guy, they're getting called before the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. And they, it goes on, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and that brings me to my first point, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we got nothing going on. When we are facing opposition, this is so important. We need to be filled with the Spirit. And again, what is the purpose that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers? It's way back in Acts 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I mentioned a couple weeks ago in Acts 2, when the Spirit was poured out, and they were filled and spoke in different languages or in tongues. The reason this was necessary was because the audience that the Holy Spirit was drawing to himself was from all over the place. They had to speak in different languages if they wanted to get the message across to the people that were present before them. That outpouring of the Spirit and the gift of tongues in that moment was so crucial to spreading the word really quickly through a whole lot of area. And it's amazing that, that the Holy Spirit empowered them in that way. But now they're faced with a different crowd. They're in front of the Sanhedrin. They're in front of the religious leaders, the ones that speak their language. So it says right there that the Holy Spirit was on Peter, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he wasn't standing there talking in tongues to them. Right? He wasn't going, well, you know, he wasn't saying all kinds of crazy words to them because they wouldn't have understood it. It would have been of no use to the Holy Spirit to do that. Instead, he was given boldness to speak truth to them. In Acts 3, 8 to 13, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people. He gave them respect right off the top there. Rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? It's a valid question. Do you want... Do you want to know how he was healed? I feel like that question right there was maybe rhetorical or a little bit sarcastic. Like, do you really want to know? I feel like you're asking the question, but you don't really want to know because I don't think you're going to like the answer. Let me state, clearly state to all of you and to all people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. That's a powerful statement right there. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That brings me to my second point. We need to be filled with boldness. We're filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be filled with boldness to declare the word of God. P 
Peter and John stood their ground firmly. They didn't come in there with their boots shaking and going, well, guys, I just, I know that looks real different because that guy's right there and he's standing, but it wasn't our fault. It was him, right? No, they were like, guys, seriously? He was healed in the name of Jesus. Boom, done. Mic drop, end of story. Get over it. (laughs) They boldly declared Jesus' name. The healings and salvation are in him. They also quote a line from Psalm 118, which was actually, that's a big deal to the religious leaders back then because the cornerstone was representative of the, the base foundational block that they used when they're constructing things back then. You know, when, when actually out here, it's a, lot, a little easier to understand because out here there's a lot of buildings that are still have stone foundations. We come from Western Canada, no one has stone foundations out there. So it was all gibberish to us. But coming here and seeing the stone foundations, it brings new light to us because the cornerstone is the most square, the most perfect piece of stone that they could find to start building off of to help make sure that the building was true, that it would be solid, that it would be built properly. And in that psalm, they're saying that Jesus, who they rejected, was that cornerstone, who was supposed to be the cornerstone of everything they believed in. It also pointed out that they were just normal people filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that it points that out in there because sometimes we think of like, oh, it's the apostles, right? Those guys were a big deal. They're amazing people. They're like the Billy Graham of AD 30 or whatever, right? Like we can put them up on this really high pedestal, but the reality is these were fishermen. These were tax guys that cheated people. These were nobodies from nowhere, like Thomas, we don't know where he came from. He was just there, right? There are all these people that really came to be apostles or disciples with no clout about them. They just followed Jesus, just normal people. And they were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. And then the one last thing I wanted to point out from those previous verses was that Jerusalem has had a population, estimately somewhere between 60 and 80,000 people at that time. That would be like all of St. John, basically, right? That's a lot of people. And now these religious leaders recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. I don't think it was their looks that gave them away. I think it was the way they were talking and the boldness that was coming out of them. They saw Jesus in them, right? They were emitting Jesus to them. N.T. Wright has a quote, and I got this while I was studying, and uh, I really liked it, so I'm going to share it with you guys. But it says this, where God's power is at work to bring real change, real healing, real new life, there the people who are naming the name of Jesus to bring it about can stand up before judges, whether political or religious, and say with integrity that they are speaking for God. It will be costly It's part of the deal, but it will be true. I love that because it just shows that when Jesus does a work in someone, and we saw that last week, we heard testimony of what God was doing. We heard that this morning of the things that God is about and the things that God is doing. 
when that happens, we can boldly proclaim Jesus to other people because we can go, look, <laughs> can you not see what Jesus has done? Therefore, I am speaking truth to you. I am speaking on Jesus' behalf to you. And we can have the Holy Spirit in us and speak it boldly with power. Which leads me to my third point. We may be filled with power. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with boldness and we are filled with Holy Spirit power. Acts 4, 14 to 22. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, I'm assuming that that dude got thrown in jail as well just for being healed because he was there the next day with Peter and John. Just saying, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, you're healed. Get in jail. It's like, you know, when you're playing Monopoly and you're working your way around the board, you finally get that whole set. You're like, yes. And then you get a goal of jail card and you're like, no. <laughs> right? Sorry, that's how my brain works. You have to get used to that. But the guy was standing right there. There was nothing the council could say because they could see the proof. They could see that the healing had happened. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves because when you're stumped, that's what you have to do. You have to say, okay, guys, I need you to go away so that we can try and put our brains together and figure this out because we have no idea what's going on here. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem already knows about it. When Jesus does something amazing, those ripples can travel awful fast. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak in or teach in Jesus' name. Or in the name of Jesus. <laughs> uh, as if that's going to work. <laughs> but Peter and John replied, they're still filled with the Holy Spirit. These religious leaders didn't quite get that yet. They're still filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like they said their first bits and the Holy Spirit ejected and then they're just there as Peter and John. No, the Holy Spirit's still in there, full of boldness, full of power. And Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Like, really? Should I? Hmm. That's like a trick question for them because obviously they have to say no, but at the same time, they want them to say yes. So it's like, what do they do? We can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. As in, this guy got healed. We have seen Jesus. We have seen him ascend to heaven. We saw him before death and after death and resurrection. What do you want us to say? We witnessed it. We bore witness to what Jesus did. We're going to talk about it. I'm sorry. That's what we're doing. So the council threatened them further, but finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. We were, when we lived in BC, there was a moment where like the Vancouver Canucks, which is like a hockey team that never won a Stanley Cup, almost won a Stanley Cup, and then they didn't. And then Vancouver turned into a riot, and it was wild. Like, cars were getting flipped, buildings were getting low. It was wild. And uh, that's, that's where my brain goes when I think of a riot, is like, that was the closest thing to home I ever experienced. But uh, for everyone who was praising God for this miraculous sign, I'm full of squirrels today, I'm sorry. For everyone who was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Think about that. This guy 
was sitting there. This will work. He was sitting there with his can, hoping for some change for 40 years. Everyone saw him. Everyone knew him. That's that beggar again. Mm, I've given him money last week. I'm going to just walk by again because I don't want to keep giving him more money. And he's sitting there going, please, someone give me change. And now he's standing there in the room, standing. He couldn't even wiggle his big toe before, let alone stand on two feet. He was paralyzed. How can they deny the power of Jesus? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon normal people, crazy things happen. <laughs> Lame men get healed. Blind people see. Depression flees. Miraculous signs break out, but never for show. They weren't walking in there going, hey guys, check this out. You, get up. Do you see that? Do you see that? That was amazing. No. They were just walking by. The guy asked for money and go, Man, sorry, I don't have any money, but I got Jesus. I got Jesus. Can I pray for you? In fact, get up and walk, because that's what Jesus would have done. Right? They weren't doing it for show. They weren't doing it to try and draw attention to themselves. But when God performs a miracle in someone's life, well then, let's share it with the world. If Peter and John had been all talk and nothing special or miraculous had happened, the members of council could have easily dismissed them and just publicly humiliated them. Look at these frauds, right? But the proof was present that the power was at work. When the Holy Spirit moves in power, it renders the opposition speechless. I'm going to say that again. When the Holy Spirit moves in power, it renders the opposition speechless. It has nothing to say against it because it can't. And just like that, the council had nothing to say. And this is where the council's hearts really shone through, was that they were concerned with them spreading their propaganda far further. You know, if it had no weight to it, they would have been like, yeah, we're going to humiliate you prove that you did nothing, and you can spread your lies all you want, it's going to mean nothing. But they had to try and stop them from spreading their propaganda, because when they're spreading propaganda, they're basically saying, what you're spreading is hurting us. It wasn't all about the Torah anymore. It was about, you're, you're attacking us by spreading this, so can you please stop? I would like you to stop. What would happen if someone came to them and asked why they couldn't heal someone? Ooh. <laughs> That'd be awkward. <laughs> what would happen if, you know, the following of Jesus grew bigger than the following of those religious leaders? Scale of power would tip. They would be no one's. But when something powerful happens, word of it spreads like wildfire. People all over the place start talking about, you know, when 10 people got baptized here in one day in a small but growing church in Charlotte County last week, it spread like wildfire and people were talking. People took notice of what Jesus is doing. 
And it's not us being showy. We just showed up, said, God, do your thing. We had five people that wanted to get baptized. Before service started, we had six. Four more decide during service. Is that anything we did? No. Am I grateful I got to experience that, though? Absolutely. What a testimony. What's a story to tell the world that God is on the move and that God is in the life-changing redemption business today and forever. When people have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and flips their lives around, people start talking. When healings and miracles happen, people start talking. And the opposition grows quiet. As I was preparing this message even, it was rolling through my head. And I talked about this a little bit with the group that was at prayer on Thursday. But, you know, sometimes earlier this week, like, different ones of us all felt like we were, like, under attack. And, like, even our, our worship practice on Wednesday night was a train wreck. And, I mean, we were playing in different keys and everything. It was wild. And it was, praise the Lord, we pulled through this morning. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but the question was asked, why is it? Why is it that, you know, when God does something great, the enemy tries to, like, thwart it afterwards and come at us and come attack us? Why is that? And I sat there and pondered it for just a moment. And I thought of when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I started thinking, why would the enemy be attacking us? You know, if the, if the apostles stayed in the upper room, would anyone have cared? No. Would the enemy have cared? No. Well, the enemy isn't going out of his way to come find us then. He's not going, oh, they're over here now. I'm going to come bug them. Or they're over here now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disturb them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess things up for them and distract them. The enemy's on the defense. We advanced. We stormed the gates. We're in his territory going, hey, you. Turn around, you're going the wrong way. And the enemy is doing all he can defensively to try and get us to go back to where we came from. So why is the enemy attack after Jesus does something amazing? Because we're not on the safe territory anymore. We're on the advance as the church. We're doing what Jesus called us to do and to be as the church. The ones that would not fail, the ones that would prevail against the hell, the gates of hell. Like, holy smokes. When we get that wrapped around our brain, it goes, bring it on. Like, I got my shield, I got my sword, who am I poking today? Right? <laughs> you now, after the apostles were released, they returned to the other believers. And I'm sure there was lots of questions going on. And, uh, you know, as Peter and John, they did give a report to everyone, but I can imagine the questions. Did they hurt you? What did they ask you? How did you respond? Right? I, I can imagine Kimberly asking all these questions, actually. She'd be so into it. Wow, God is good. That's amazing. That cripple guy really got healed? Wow. How many made decisions to follow Jesus? No way. Wow, God's good. They want you to stop talking about Jesus? <laughs> like, that's going to happen, <laughs> right? 
I could see what it would look like because we would be the same today. We'd be going, come on, we're, we're, let's go, guys. But it brings me to my fourth point, and it was the response the believers took after Peter and John were released and came back to the rest of them. And that's for covered in prayer. Every single movement of God that I can see, you know, in recent history and all the way back, was covered in prayer. When the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit, they were praying. When Jesus was on the earth and doing his earthly ministry, he often retreated away by himself to pray. Prayer is so, so vital. You know, we have prayer every Thursday night in this place from 7 to 9, and it is so vital that we continue to pray, that we continue to press in, that we continue to assault the enemy's gates. In Acts 4.24, it says, When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through, your ancestor through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered around against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this is happening here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The psalm they quoted was Psalm 2. It was foretelling of the persecution Jesus would face. And in turn, they themselves were also facing. They knew the pressure was on them now. You know, Jesus was not the target of everyone's persecution now. Now it's the early church. But in the midst of their opposition, in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their hardship, did they pray for comfort and peace? Oh, Lord, just take it away. Just make it all pretty and nice again because I don't like this. Right? Do, that, that seems to be our go-to a lot of the time nowadays. It's like when something's hard, we just, just take it away, God. I don't, I don't want to deal with that right now. Even if we're not praying to God, we might be going... This is, I don't like this, I'm, I'm out. Just take that away from me because it's hard. Did they ask God to just make it all go away and better? No. No, they did not. They prayed and asked for more boldness, more confidence in preaching the word. They prayed that even more miraculous signs and wonders would be done, more healings. But that also means they're probably going to attract more attention. That's okay. They're believing for more boldness. In other words, yeah, it's hard right now, but God, use us all the more. Do even greater things like you had promised. And that was from back in John 14, 12 to 14. And this is the words of Jesus. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The apostles and followers of Jesus continue 
to preach and heal and perform miracles as we continue through Acts. They keep going. They push on. They face difficulties. They don't stop. They don't hesitate. They continue with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they continue and they see greater things happening, the persecution is also ramping up. But as N.T. Wright said, it will be costly. It's part of the deal. Are we willing to count the cost to follow Jesus with our everything? Are we willing to step out with Holy Spirit-filled boldness in our lives? Last week, there were 10 baptisms, salvations, and healings that took place. And these are incredible. These are incredible, exciting things we get to share with the world. So today, as we stand, I'm going to invite you guys to stand. Sorry. That came out really... <laughs> Let's stand. I want to pray boldness over everyone, that we'd be empowered to bear witness for Jesus and spread his name far and wide. And maybe I'll ask uh, the worship team to come up as well. You know, on, on a Sunday night, we had life group. And at the end of life group, you know, we were talking about how the Sunday morning service went because we we're all still vibrating, to be honest, with like what God had just done in this place. And uh, at the end, we spent some time in prayer. And I, had, I felt this word come from God, and I shared it with Life Group. And I said, Caitlin was talking about the ripple effect and how all it takes is for, like, a stone or a drip or something to go into the water, and it starts to ripple, right? I felt like what God was saying was, like, you know, out here there's a law of ledge rock everywhere. Everything seems to be on ledge rock. <laughs> but ledge rock is huge. And it's expansive. And I felt like God showed me that there was a tremor starting under the church. The things were starting to shake here. But because it was shaking here, imagine the ledge rock. It was starting to shake throughout the county. It was spreading through the land. And you know, before I was even preparing this message, I got that. I didn't start preparing the smashes till Tuesday. But at the very end of Acts 4, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. Why don't we all put our hands out like we're willing to receive something? It's not an overly spiritual thing, but it just it positions us like we're, we're wanting to receive from God. I'm going to pray that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness today. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you promised us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, today I just pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us in this room that we'd receive from you. And Jesus, just like the early believers did, we pray and ask for boldness and courage to speak your name loud and proud. May we boldly proclaim the good news of your gospel to people. Jesus, fill us with power and that we would see healings and miraculous signs follow us wherever we go, Jesus, to be testimony to your goodness. Jesus, we believe that your word is true and that it's powerful and alive today. And where you say that 
greater things would we do because you go to the Father. We claim that in Jesus' name. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with power. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. And empower us to go boldly into the world, declaring you, Jesus. Amen. And now, if I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, now Jesus, the one we talk about at Christmas time, who was born to the world, a Savior, who who died on the cross and took the weight of the world, all of our sin, all of our failures, all of our regrets, our shame onto himself and left it buried in that tomb. And then on the third day was risen again, back to life, victorious over sin and death, and then ascended to heaven and gave us the Holy Spirit. That same Jesus can be our Lord and Savior today. He can be our best friend, our greatest ally in this world. If you're in this place today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you would like to ask Jesus into your life, I just, could you just slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just repeat this prayer after me. It's simple. Praying is just speaking to Jesus, speaking to God. And once we're done this prayer, it's the only time you ever had to say it because Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. So dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. Walk with me, teach me, Jesus. Show me how to live this life with boldness and courage. Jesus, I thank you that you chose me before I ever chose you. So I thank you, Jesus, that you've come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, that is amazing. And that is honestly the best decision we can ever make as people. And, you know, with all of this talk of being bold and courageously speaking Jesus to people, we're going to end with a song. We're going to do praise. Because what better thing to do than to praise our Lord. Amen?